It's game time in this edition of the Kids Comics Revolution. We've had some terrific book talks on this show from kids on the comics they love. Some of you have even suggested that they're the best part of the show, and why not? The enthusiasm of kids talking about the stuff they love is way infectious. So let's turn it over to the kids, shall we? We've got kid creator and former Kids Read Comics guest Natalia on the show to give us a better understanding of what comics and games kids love, why they love them, and how they think about making their own. That's right, it's an all about kids episode of the Kids Comics Revolution! Hi, my name is Tyler and I'm 11 years old and I, and I live in Virginia. Maybe. As you can obviously tell, I love graphic novels, but that's not important right now. The book I'm here to review is, is El Defo by C.C. Bell, who, who, if you didn't know, is the wife of Tom Engelberger, writer of the Origami Yoda series. Aldefa tells the treacherous, stunning, and kind of epic tale of C.C. Bell's early childhood. Except she's a rabbit for some reason. No one has yet to scientifically figure out if she actually was a rabbit, but considering this took place in the 70s, it's actually a known fact like this, like, things like this actually happened back then. In the book, and maybe real life too, she lives in a world where everything is a rabbit for some reason. Even though Adam West's Batman exists and he and he's a human, but the cartoons in this world are rabbits too, but Yogi Bear is still a bear, so I don't know what to tell you. So from that standpoint, I know this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So anyway, Cece Bell tells the incredible tale of how she lost her hearing when she was little and had to wear the phonic ear hearing aid thingamajig trademark copyright God knows when. Ooh, and in the story, while in uncomfortable and awkward situations, she imagines herself as the ultimate crime fighter of justice. Batman! I mean, El Defo! Yay! Join hers, she fights kids who mostly do nothing wrong, actually, just most of them make Cece a little awkward, and I mean, that's really it, just... And, and they're, like, in their early to mid-elementary school years, so they don't really know what's right and wrong. But it's okay, because superheroes! Woody woody woo What I like about the book is the simple, clean art style. A cool thing about it is that if you'll... That it, is that, like, if you probably turn the characters all into, like, Muppets or something, it would probably lo- look the same, actually. But the element El Defo captures well is probably the heart. Not like the book is giving its physical heart to you. No, 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 no. That's just disgusting. Go, go sit in the corner until I tell you to get out. I mean the touching and warm, fuzzy feelings that it give that it gives the reader. It gives a fascinating look at kind of dead people through the eyes of a child who doesn't really know what to think. I think. Oh, and those 70s references are awesome, and also kudos for not making anyone wear 70s clothing, because that would just be horrifying and everyone would be scarred for life. I I found a a lot of relations to Raina Telgemeier's smile with the whole childhood traumatizing incident thing. Wait, is that becoming a popular genre soon? I should have known. Both books have simple art styles, except unlike Smile, when there's any blood or vomit, it's, it's usually kept undetailed and just simple, better, bland blobs, un, uh, unlike Smile. To wrap this uncomfortably long review up, I, I'll say that El Depo is a great graphic novel for kids and adults, but before you buy it, it's best to know that there's a couple parts that include minor cuss words and some scenes which include smoking and alcohol, so it might not be a good idea f- for 
to like buy this for your kids around I'm not, around like five years old. So with that said, uh, insert inspirational quote from from El Duffo here. I'm Tyler fr- from Virginia, and I'm actually a walrus. No, really. See ya. Maybe. Now cue the awesome music track that has nothing to do with El Duffo right now. Jersey. Hey Dave. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm feeling <laughs> old today. Uh, why why would you be feeling old? You are not old. Because we just did an interview with uh what do they call those people? Children. <laughs> <laughs> with the one, kids. One of the little what? ones. <laughs> What a perfect, what a perfect thing for the Kids Comics Revolution podcast to talk with kids about what they're reading, about how they make comics, and what they're into. That's uh, right. We've done a lot of episodes uh, with people, some of them experts, maybe, talking about kids comics, kids books, uh, what the kids are into. And in this episode, we go straight to the source uh, with a real live human being uh, telling us what they're into and yeah uh, i mean we uh, went to one of the better sources for that too <laughs> we went to natalia yeah who is a force of nature who makes us uh, I, I i feel like we tried really hard uh in this interview not to just like sound like we're like in our day <laughs> we didn't have all the pokemons <laughs> <laughs> tell us what is the minecraft yeah, well, that, that, there's no quicker way to debunk your authority in a room than to talk like that to kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely felt like I had no telegraphing, authority. <laughs> that, that's saying to the kids, like, I got no business being here with you guys <laughs> right now. Um, but yes, Natalia. So Natalia is uh, a former, well, a student of mine, I guess you could say, because she participates in a lot of the classes I teach. And, but I met her for the first time at the Kids Read Comics uh, Comic Festival. Uh, this would be, gosh, like four years ago now. Um, it was the one, it was the first one you came to Dave in Dearborn. Okay. Um, and, uh, so at Kids Read Comics, we held, uh, I'll link to an audio boo that we recorded about this because it's, it's a great story. Um, so we held portfolio reviews at Kids Read Comics that year. And so we had some different cartoonists who were generous with their time, sit down and look at kids work and talk to them about what they need to do to make comics. And Natalia, who was at that time, you know, the ripe old age of seven, came in with her samples to show Ryan Estrada of RyanEstrada.com, another awesome, awesome cartoonist who we need to talk to sometime on the show. Um, and uh, she she showed she had all these completed strips. She had character charts with like the relationships between all the characters in her strip series. And she said to Ryan, you know, what do I got to do to be a professional cartoonist? 
And Ryan, God bless him, had the presence of mind to say, you already are a professional. The only difference between you and everybody who's tabling at the show is that you're on that side of the table. Get in contact with the Kids Read Comics people, and you should be tabling and selling your mini comics here. And sure enough, that's what she did. So uh, she and her parents reached out to us, and the next year she t- was a tabling artist at Kids Read Comics in Chelsea, Michigan. Um, and she's participated in programming. She's presented at the Kids Comics Revolution Awards show, and uh, she's just just a, a, a dynamo. Like every time I hang out with her, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be working for you someday. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah, and that's we've talked about this before, but that's one of the cool things about the Kids Read Comics Festival is that kids can actually have tables and sell their stuff. And um, I believe that's where I first met her was at the Chelsea show. She was in one of the tents that had um, kids selling comics. Um, And then again in Ann Arbor the following year. Mm -hmm. Um, And she seemed seemed really young back then too. So how old was she? (laughs) So how old was she when we interviewed her? This is... (laughs) She's so she was she was eleven when we interviewed okay. her. This, yeah, we recorded this a while ago, and it's been it's been a, a long time coming getting this one into the feed. So, so yes, she's she's all of eleven now, and she's still making comics and even like uh, exploring designing her own video games now. Yeah, which we talked a little bit about as well. Um, so the only thing, oh, so two things we should mention. One, uh, you'll hear a third voice coming in. Besides Natalia, me, and Jersey, uh, Natalia's dad uh, comes in at a couple points. Um, and then there's some definitely some movement happening. Um, I think the, the energy of Natalia kind of uh, shackles up the microphone a little bit. So uh, we apologize in advance if there's some, uh, some ruffling of feather moments uh, during the interview. That, that, that's one of the great things about her when you talk to her in person is she's a very animated person. And when she gets excited, it, she gets very excited and it, it, uh, it makes its way in, in, into the conversation. Yes, as you said, like she, she moves the microphone around a little bit. So, yeah, I guess that's about as much of an introduction as you'll probably need. Um, <laughs> if you don't know all your Pokemons, you might want to read up on that in advance first. Um, so, yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, join in. Are you guys going to ask me a question or? Yes. <laughs> Good. We were hoping you were going to ask us questions. Yeah. Did you prepare your questions, Natalia? What? <laughs> no. We are going to we are going to interview you, and we're going to have a discussion as if we were just sitting around talking about comics and video games, and what makes them so great, right? Can I grab something real quick? What's that? Can I grab something real quick? Yes, you can. Thank you. I'll be right back. Grab a hard drink. (laughs) (laughs) I need an orange juice to get through this. (laughs) Leave the carafe. 
I like that we can actually hear her stomping up the stairs. That was <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> Let me tell you, Dave, coming up with my five all-time favorite comics is a lot harder than it sounds. Okay, I'm back. Oh, you know, I forgot to do that. What? <laughs> what? Dave forgot to do the top five comics and top five video games list. I'm good at giving the homework, but I'm bad. Okay, but what I did do is I made a list of, I made a list of video game comics that I think uh, remind me of video games. So I've got that list. Oh, good. That only had while one. While you thing. guys are talking about your favorite stuff, I can think of what my favorite stuff is. But okay. so yeah, so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Natalia, this is something to look forward to when you are uh, a fully grown kid uh, is that when you are drawing comics for a living, you don't have to get up before 11 o'clock. That's like, right. This is, this is early in the morning for Dave. This is super early for me. <laughs> <laughs> I usually wake up before 11 regardless. I want to or don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I do too. But then I go right back to sleep. <laughs> I woke up at 6.30 and went downstairs. Wow. Yay. And did you and play video games? Yes, technically. I did it for about two to three hours. What? Wait, so you played video games for two to three hours? In the mornings. First thing you woke up. Do you eat breakfast yeah. first? What? Do you eat breakfast before you start playing video games, or do you start the games first? Start the games first, because my parents are usually asleep. Hmm. And are you playing them on your computer or are you playing them on a DS? Or depends, what the, depends what the mood is, but usually it's on my computer. It's usually on your computer. And what are, what are, what's your games of choice these days? Deluge RPG. What? Deluge RPG. It's a Pokemon RPG game. Oh, okay. And have you been playing Pokemon as long as you can remember? Since I was about five. Yep. And what brings you back? What keeps, what, what keeps Pokemon drawing you in? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> nah, I bet you do. I bet you know what, what, what is that's so compelling about it. Because there's other RPG games you could be playing. Well, I just find it fun. What is it about Pokemon that's fun? I really don't know, Dad. Maybe the creativity in it all, the designs, everything about it. I would say I I'm bet- drawn to the design of Pokemon. Like the the creature design is what first got me interested in it. I think all the the countless different variations on the Pokemon are really cool, and it's fun to get to see them and collect them. But the Pokemons also have different personalities too, right, Natalia? Yeah. So are there some that you like better? I, okay, so like one of the things we did for prep for this show is, is write down lists of our five favorite video games and five favorite all-time comics. And I bet it, in, in Natalia and I, before we started recording, we're chatting about how hard it was to come up with our five all-time favorite comics. But I bet you that I could say, Natalia, name your five favorite Pokemon. Go. You could do it. Oh, yeah. Um, Gardevoir, B-Barrel, Metagross, Absol, Blaziken. Now, B-Barrel in particular has a very specific personality, right? Derpy, fuzzy, <laughs> chewing on your arm all the time. <laughs> right. Num, 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 num. So, and I, I noticed that you never, like, and this is something that Natalia's done when we hang out, is she'll turn into bee barrel and start chewing on my arm. But, <laughs> but Not literally. I just hang on and see if he can pull me out. 
No, I bled a couple times, but you. But you no, never, he's crying. <laughs> but you've never he's said like. Crying. You've never said like, oh, I'm Gardevoir, and I'm biting your arm, right? Gardevoir's eleganter than B Barrel, and I'm oh. not that elegant. Oh. And I'm so hard to. <laughs> so, so is it so, part? So. Is it part partly uh, personality? Mm-hmm. Is what's drawing you to these RPGs? Mm-hmm. And cuteness factor. <laughs> cuteness factor. <laughs> B-Barrel is cute. But do you like characters that are cute and also powerful? Yes, B-Barrel can have superpower. But does he know how to use that power? That's the interesting question. It's a move. It's a what? It's a move. It's an attack. Uh, but does he use it, does he use it like... It, Effectively and intelligently and gracefully, or is it just like sort of like a, a a derpy attack? Well, it depends what level is what level he is. If he's more levels, he's more experienced and knows how to use it better. If he's not, he'll probably hit himself in the face because <laughs> it's his strongest attack. And yeah, so that's an interesting thing too. Is that the characters as you play the game, they grow and they get more experienced and they they change. Some of them- and some of them evolve. Yeah, and they evolve too, right? This is just like in a good graphic novel, right? A good graphic novel, a character changes at the end of the story. They're not the same after going through their, their trials and troubles, right? Yeah. Are you saying every good character needs to level up? Yeah, actually, there's our takeaway today. Done. Podcast over. Every character should level up. All right, podcast over. Bye. <laughs> So do we want to just dive into Natalia's top five favorite video games and talk about them a little bit? Yeah, well, let's let's talk about all our oh, favorite yeah. um, stuff. Because um, if nothing else, we love to uh, enthuse about our favorite uh, books and comics, and this will be fun to talk about video games in addition to that, um, and maybe even find some uh, similarities and uh, differences between them. Mm. Oh yeah, should I do it with when five's my favorite or one's my favorite? You you pick where you want to start, Natalia. Uh, I seriously have no idea. I'm impressed if you could even decide that because I always have a hard time. Like I can choose five favorite things, but choosing which one is an actual favorite or the second favorite, like to me, my lists are always kind of like being shuffled around depending on what mood I'm in. So let's start at five. As my favorite. Yes. Okay. Right now. Yes. Okay, number five is Pokemon Black version for the Nintendo DS. I like it because it has an amazing storyline, great graphics, and it's just really fun to play. What's the storyline? Um, you're a ten-year-old trainer going out onto a journey, like most games, but instead of having to stop an evil organization from stealing Pokemon... There's an evil organization that's trying to separate you from your Pokemon. Ooh. So the Pokemon can be free. And, and you have to find a way to stop them before they manage to get all trainers separated from their own Pokemon. But during that, the true leader of the organization, Getsis, is not really trying to free the Pokemon at all. He's trying to dominate... The whole Unova region, which is the region the game takes place in. Eventually, the second-in-command realizes that, and you two have to join forces in order to defeat Getsis. And then you can do whatever you want. 
So wait a minute. So there's like uh, there's a bad guy in the game that. Two bad out, guys. Two bad guys, but then you wind up having to team up with one of the bad guys to stop an even worse bad guy. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's my favorite story trope: is heroes and villains having to team up, put their and differences then the, aside, the, then. And then the villain that you have to team up with eventually realizes what he's been doing and um, tries to disband the evil organization. Oh, so the main bad guy kind of learns what he was doing. He learns the, like, the folly of what he was doing. Yeah, so there's, there's N, King of Team Plasma, the team that's trying to separate from trainers from Pokemon, and Getsis, N's father. So Getsis is secretly trying to take over the Anova region, but N does not know this. You convince N eventually that this is what Getsis is really trying to do, so the two of you join for forces to defeat him. Mm-hmm. Afterwards... And apologizes and goes off to, to see what he should truly do instead of separating trainers from their Pokemon in order to make all Pokemon happy. Wow, there, there's a lot of story in this game. Uh, yep. And jumping around a little bit, one of the comics I wrote on my list was Lupin the Third. Have, have either of you guys ever read Lupin the Third comics? I don't think I have. It's a manga. Yeah, I've never read any of the comics, but I have seen uh, the anime that uh, Miyazaki directed. Yeah, uh, The Castle, Castle of Cagliostro. Yeah, and that's a lot of fun. It, that's a great movie. And, and it captures the essence of what makes Lupin the third story so great for me is the premise is that he's a thief and he goes into a place to steal a thing and in going into the place to steal a thing, he finds out there's an even worse bad guy there. So, it, so Lupin's a thief. He's being chased by this policeman named Inspector Zanagata. So Zanagata is really the good guy, but he's not the main character. And he's trying to catch Lupin. Lupin uncovers an even worse, darker conspiracy. And then Lupin and Zenigata have to sort of team up to stop the even worse bad guy. And that's like a, uh, what am I trying to say? Like it's, it, it repeats throughout all of the different Lupin the Third stories. And that's what I look forward to when I'm reading those. And it sounds like that this, the Pokemon Black and White does something very similar to that. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you about that story is do you think the story would be as engaging to you if you were just watching it as like an episode of the show or like one of the Pokemon movies? Is there something about it being told in the game and you're interacting with it that like makes it feel different? Um, I probably would find it more, well, cool, interesting, all that, if I was actually playing it on the game. But if I saw it on a, the show, that'd be pretty cool too, because it would just it would be seeing my own character, um, do doing the actual storyline, but without me telling them to. Right. So I'd be watching my own character. So. Um, but if it wasn't your own character, like, like, do you think that? Um, if it wasn't my own character, um, I would probably think the storyline was. Um, better if I was actually just playing it. <laughs> so let me ask you, Natalia, do you ever go to YouTube and watch other people play games? Because I know that, that a lot of people do that. They'll stream themselves playing video games. Mostly if I need hints on my DS games. Uh, okay, okay. But you don't just watch for fun. But you'll yeah. watch to, like, get help. I watch My Little Pony fact videos otherwise and cat videos. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody watches cat videos. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, number four. Is Super Smash Bros. Brawl. 
Wii game. I really like it because there's pretty much an endless storyline to it. Um, and it's just really, really sexy when. Um, that's really funny considering it's a fighting game and most yeah. people probably don't think of fighting games for their story, right? Um, well, there's two parts in it. You can play just the fighting one where the brawlers compete against each other, but there still is no champion because it goes on forever. But there's another one you can do, another part of it, in single player, where there's an actual storyline to it. Mm -hmm. And what is that storyline, if you could explain it quickly? So, there, all these brawlers, good and bad, are just doing stuff when an evil force comes and interrupts the main tournament that's going to decide the final victor. So, some of the, what I'm going to say bad guys, I guess, not all of them are pure bad though, join the Dark Forces team and are now trying to get all the good brawlers so they can um, pull the whole world into a giant black hole by making a black hole in the center of the world and spreading a darkness that will hurt the good brawlers. And it's up to you or whoever's playing it to stop the darkness and you, and you get to play as different brawlers and go through different stages. And um, there's, for instance, there's an ag, I cannot talk. There's an <laughs> it sounds like there is not a storyline, I guess, when I say it like that, <laughs> sort of. I, I'm really confused right now with myself, but. Well, what you're talking about, there's, there's, there's a central conflict where one group of people has an agenda and another group of people want to stop that agenda, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that story? Here's, here's team A. We want to do this bad thing. Here's team B. We want to stop you from doing that bad thing. And then watching who wins and how they win is story, isn't it? Yeah. A little more about the storyline thingy. So the good brawlers have to go through different places in order to catch up to the bad guys and stop the darkness because if you arrive too late they spread darkness and make it really hard for you to pass through oh so they and can you have to finish all of it before it's too late so there's there's different worlds in this game mm -hmm. are the worlds and there's been one i've been struggling on for about six months now <laughs> still i haven't gotten past this one little part and yet How are you the keep going different? back to it? You keep trying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's where I'm Pikachu and Samus. I cannot get past the floating thingies with spikes and an endless pit. <laughs> that sounds pretty classic. Um, one of the things that... Uh, I, I would put Super Smash Brothers on my list of uh, favorite games of all time. I haven't actually played the Wii version as much. Um, the one that I played the most was on GameCube, so it was Super Smash Brothers Melee. Um, and part of it is just because I think it's one of the most fun games. Like, it just has a lot of play value, and it's really fun to play with a group of people. Uh, so whenever people would come over, I'd be like, oh, we got to play this together. Um, but I think the thing that drew me the most to that game 
is that it appealed to my childhood dream of crossovers because Smash Brothers, for anybody who hasn't played it, is basically characters from all these different Nintendo games that usually are in their separate games. And some of them are in very serious games and some of them are in very cute games and some are adventure games. Some of them are racing games. Some of them are fighting games. But they all get to share a game together where you can pick any of these different characters and have them fight against each other or interact with each other, um, which is something that, like, when I was a kid, I used to, like, imagine, like, what would it be like if Super Mario Brother, if the Super Mario Brothers and the Zelda characters and Kirby uh, and Samus from Metroid could all be in the same game together. So this, the Smash Brothers games kind of satisfy that, uh, that dream. <laughs> Yes, but you have to admit, Pichu is an awful player. Pikachu is an awful player? Yeah. Pichu. Oh, Pichu, Pichu. yeah. Um, I actually, my favorite character to be is Kirby, because he can just fly around and just suck characters up and steal their powers. I like Meta Knight and Lucario. Jersey, who's your favorite character to play? Because I know you've played Smash Brothers. I haven't. No, you've never played Smash. I thought I've never played Smash Brothers, and I, I've I've been meaning to get it for the longest time because it, it looks amazing for all the reasons that you guys are described. But um, but no, I mean, I got other games on my list that 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 satisfy or scratch that itch in very similar ways, but not quite as well as Smash Brothers does because, yeah, like you, Dave, as a little kid, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if I could go on an adventure with Samus and Link? How cool would that be? Um, and, and I'm sure Natalia has probably done something similar to this, but I, I used to take, like, graph paper and design <laughs> my own levels. And I actually created, like, a video game Bible, if you will, or, like, a pitch packet for, like, the ultimate quest. I, it's probably, that's what it was probably even called, um, where I took all the different characters and basically figured out what the play mechanics would be for there to be this game that had all of them in it. Um, and at the time, it was like, that would never happen, but it would be the coolest thing to see happen. Um, and supposedly, somebody has made, like, a fan game that is like that. Because, like, like, Smash Brothers is basically they're just either you're playing against each other on, like, sort of static, not static levels because they move around and stuff, um, or you do the quest, but they're very still 3D and because I'm like an old schooler I want to see everything in 2D so someone actually has made like a 2D version of that where the games look exactly like they did in the 8-bit versions which um, I'm very nostalgic for wow we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes I can't remember the title of it um, but I actually discovered it because of a librarian uh, Matthew Winner who's a big proponent of like video games in the library he linked to it on his blog and I was like oh my god that's so cool um, speaking of which, talking about graph paper, I just came across this story last night. Um, there's an app coming out for the iPad that allows you to make video game levels on graph paper, and then the app will translate the graph paper drawings into, and like you use different symbols, like use X's for this and like fill in the squares for that, but it will turn it into a real playable side scroller game. The, the game is called, or the app is called Pixel Press. And it's coming out later this year, and it's $10. But then you like get this special uh, graph paper to design your own levels on. You can make your own games. That's really awesome. That's crazy. We'll put Did that you know in I've made my own video game before that's playable? You have? Mm-hmm. What, what is it? I call it Legend of Red Moon. I made it an, an RPG maker. What's RPG maker? It's, um... For 
beginners for making video games where you basically make your own RPG game and you can make it as long or short as you want. It teaches you how to make your character go to different places, not just by putting a door there, but doing transfers and all this fancy stuff, doing dialogue, cutscenes, all sorts of stuff on it. What did you do at the engineering school? Uh, it's called the ID Tech Camps. Yeah, see that's, that's, where I, that's where I did it. Wait a minute. What, what, yeah, explain. You went to a camp recently, Natalia, where you did this. Mm-hmm. And what would tell us about that? And so it's ID Tech Camps. Basically, we had our little group, and we. At the University of Michigan. We it was at the University of Michigan. So we go into the Palmer Commons, and there's several rooms there where the different ID Tech Camps go. There's like Minecraft mod creating, iPad, iPhone app making, all sorts of stuff. We did so we did the RPG Maker. Which for um, those of you guys who don't know, that's short for role-playing game. So it's sort of like the extension of what Dungeons & Dragons used to be, except in the video game world. And anybody over 25 will know, has probably played Final Fantasy, which is one of the first like, video game RPG games. So go um, ahead, Natalia. In RPG Maker, you get different tile sets on a grid, and you can choose how big you want it to be. I think the smallest you can make is 5x5. Five um, and you can put, like, grass, grass tiles down or snow or trees and make the map look as you would like it to. And Nat- Natalia, are you messing around with some papers by your computer? No. Oh. Are, are, you, are you moving the computer? Not really. No. Because no. we're, we're, we're getting a lot of, like, weird clicking noise, like, as if, like, something's being uh, moved around by the microphone. No, okay. nothing like that. Okay. Imagination jersey. It's, no, it's, my, it's just in it. my head. But okay, keep going. Sorry, kiddo. Um, and you can make different houses and make up different characters. You can even, you have like five pages of standard characters you can choose from or make your own. Wow. You can do battles with the different monsters that you can create. You know, that would take hours. So they have like 50 monsters for me to choose from. And are you, and you designing this with a team? So you said you're, you have, like, other people are helping you design this, the world together, or you, is it everybody's doing their own work? Everyone's doing their own thing. Everyone's doing their own. Okay. So what was, the, what was the story of your RPG game that you made? Um, there's a character called Luna, and she is trying to bring forth the red moon, which is a very special moon, which comes out what, once in every 100 years. And if the red moon gets harnessed by dark power, it will spread chaos throughout the world. And the one that, and the one person with the dark power gets to control the red moon and do all sorts of nasty stuff. And who's going to stop them? And your character, Mika, has to recruit other explorers and adventurers. So the in the end, I believe it's four or five of you can defeat Luna. That sounds like a graphic novel pitch. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That sounds that sounds great. And so, like, you have to build a team. And uh, wh- how uh, is there? Are the team members non-player characters, or are they characters that you can play? They follow you around. Okay. And you can choose what attacks they do and stuff like that. So you assemble the team based on their abilities, but also, let me ask you, Natalia, because you said that one of the things that ap- appealed to you about Pokemon is the designs. Can you also choose based on the way they look, too? Like, like this guy's got a cool backpack, or this guy's got a cool laser gun. Yeah, kind of. So you, get, you the player, get to choose what, what five characters you choose. The game doesn't choose for you. You choose. Well, the game has some already set out for you, five pages of them. Uh-huh. So about 30 to 50 characters for me to choose from. And you can choose the five coolest characters to put onto your game. Or, if none of those appeal to you, you can go to the character creator and make your own. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on a hard drive somewhere. I just love that it's not enough for you to play games that you want to go in and make games too. Yep. So has making comics helped you make choices in building video games? Yeah. How so? I based a lot of the game's storyline RPG style on Sailor Moon. Oh. Is Sailor, would you put Sailor Moon in, in your top five of comics? Uh, or does it not make the list? I told Jersey before that I was kind of blanking out yesterday on my list and I couldn't really decide. I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and I have several Sailor Moon comics everywhere in the house, so I do not know how I forgot. If there was a top ten list, maybe I would have remembered it with a bunch of other comics, but top five is hard. It is hard. It's so hard. I've got like 20 on my list because I, I couldn't narrow it down. I just put down the first five that came to me that I seriously like. Mm-hmm. You want Do you want to talk about one of those? Go into Wait, what? Who? You, Natalia. Oh, yes. Um, wait. Confused moment. <laughs> That's okay. We'll edit this. What, so which one should I say? My least what, favorite or just, first favorite? Just pick one of your favorites from your okay. top five. Um, they can be in any order. It doesn't matter the order. My favorite that I put down is the Yotsuba series, preferably um, Yotsuba number six or ten, because Yotsuba is completely amazing. It makes me laugh out loud. What's so funny about it? Everything YouTube does. This derpy little five-year-old girl doing completely crazy things, like punching sheep in the face. That's a classic moment. Um, putting, wearing a cow bath towel and a cow hat, pretending she's the ranch man. <laughs> um, pretending to, that she's a little assassin with the water gun. Um... Pretending she's a cicada. Going to the hot air balloons festival thing and falling down five hills there. Dropping her teddy bear off a hot, hot air balloon on accident. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't Yatsuba have an older friend who she's constantly driving crazy because he's trying to protect her from all these things that she's getting into trouble with? 
Which one? Oh, that's right. She has multiple older friends. She, she has Ina, the 10-year-old girl who lives next door, who is very calm, collected. Then there's Mira, um, who lives in, a, in an apartment uh, a few blocks away from Yotsuba, who's Ina's friend and has very low tolerance for Yotsuba. Fuka and Asagi, um, Ina's two older sisters. Asagi loves to play pranks, and Fuka, she's just kind of random. Then there's Yotsuba's dad, and Jumbo, the really tall guy who's seriously funny. He's Yotsuba. really tall. Yeah, he's like six, seven feet tall, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's sort of like a big kid. Like he's, he's pretty. Uh, but he's an adult. He's an adult, but he acts sort of like a kid. Like he's like up for all the fun stuff. Very true. I remember one of Yotsuba's quotes: "Jumbo, let's play." Yotsuba, go to. You have to go to sleep. No, let's fight. And Jumbo will actually agree to that stuff. Exactly. Where like the dad will get a little tired of it all. Yeah. <laughs> Exasperated. Every day. She's a pretty, uh, she's got a lot of energy, this kid. She's, she's excited about everything. Um, you didn't mention uh, the, the card robot, the, the cardboard box robot that they build. And they Danbo. Fit, and they convince, uh, is it they, they convince her that it's a real, a real robot? Mm-hmm. It's Mira in costume, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's one of the funniest sequences, I thought. Yeah, I think one of the funniest ones for me is in Yotsuba 11, the brand new Yotsuba book, is the typhoon. Oh, I haven't read that yet. What happens in the typhoon, or do you, would that be spoilers? Uh, it's short, so it wouldn't be much of a spoiler. The main thing that happens in it, I'm not going to tell you, but <laughs> this one's not the main thing. Ever. Yotsuba goes next door, and Asagi and Fuka and Ina are talking about the typhoon. And Ina says, it's really windy out there. Yeah, if Yotsuba put up an umbrella, she'd probably fly away. They talk some more, and eventually they say, hey, where's Yotsuba? They look outside. Yotsuba has this umbrella, and she's flying away. (laughs) And then uh, Asagi runs outside screaming. And Yotsuba's dad, too, and they're running after her. And to describe the personality of Yotsuba, what is her reaction to flying away with an umbrella? Um, it didn't really have her saying anything. It was just a look of shock and pleasure at the same time on her face. <laughs> sounds about right. Flying away on an umbrella in the middle of a typhoon. Very Yotsuba-ish. <laughs> This is a series that definitely appeals to a lot of different people because it's they tend to be all short stories. Um, you can kind of read any of them. You don't have to read them in order, um, although you appreciate them more when you read them in order because you get to know the characters even better. Um, but each one is like self-contained, short little... Uh, they're not even like adventures because they're just about like small moments in their lives. Like it's just about everyday stuff, but it's just because through her lens, which is like very hyper and sort of, she's enthralled by everything. uh, Small things become magical or become like really exciting. Like their love of cake. Yeah. I remember that one. 
stealing strawberries <laughs> off the cake. So who do you relate to most in the story, Natalia? Yatsuba. <laughs> I was going to say yes. What you're describing sounds very similar to my personal experiences with you in my classrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Not flying away in an umbrella necessarily, but... Aww. <laughs> Not yet. I want to do that, actually. <laughs> so what, what other... What, uh, let's go back to the video game list. What's another one? Of, uh, you went through two. You went through Super um, Smash Brothers. And Thank you, Pokemon Black, Super Smash Bros. Okay. Number three on the list, Kirby's Return to Dreamland. I love that game. The graphics are amazing. It's got a great storyline. And it, it mostly takes a while for people to beat because there's so many different levels. And if you play with several people, you can play with, like, four Kirbys at once or a Meta Knight, King Dedede, Wildly, even though it took me about a week to beat it. Um, there's someone... So everyone's enjoying their normal day. DDD has stolen some cake. Meta Knight's reading a book, eating candy. Kirby's doing Kirby stuff. <laughs> when this ship comes out of nowhere and crashes, and the different parts of the ship scatter to different worlds, and inside what's left of the ship is someone named Maglor who, who requests if Kirby can help find the missing parts. So Kirby goes on an adventure to find all of the missing parts and defeat the bosses in each of the levels, which are called Cookie Country, Raisin Ruins, Onion Ocean, um, White Wafers, and something else. Something that involves snow. Hmm. Nutty Noon. That makes no sense, but that's it. <laughs> so it's all food worlds. Mm-hmm. Then there's one other later on, but... So Kirby eventually finds all the pieces and gives them back to Maglor, who, as thank you, as a thank you, brings the four of them, Kirby, Med Knight, King, DDD, Waddledee, on the ship with him and brings them to his home planet, Palkandra, which have two more level stages for Kirby to go through. Each world has about six levels in it. So Kirby goes through that, finding bonus stuff for Maglor. But after Kirby completes it all, um, he, there's one final boss he has to face, the dragon. Maglor wants the crown off the main dragon's head. So Kirby has to defeat the dragon and get the crown. He eventually gives the crown to Maglor, who becomes this giant monster. Oh no. Maglor was actually evil all along. All he wanted was to fix his ship so he could get the crown and take over the universe. Literally, they're boss battles in space. <laughs> wow. So the you, dragon, you yeah. the hero, wind up helping the villain in the story. Mm-hmm. Without even knowing. But um. the dragon that Kirby defeats was under Maglor's influence. So, in, so it then decides to help Kirby. Then you have to go across the galaxy on a dragon's back, defeat Maglor and his ship, which launches like razors at you. <laughs> Get the crown back, seal it away, and go back to your own home before lunchtime. 
Okay, so I'm detecting another trope in here that I'm a big fan of. Uh, Natalia, have you watched Avatar The Last Airbender? No. Oh my gosh, you need to watch that! So bad! Uh, Dave will back... the comics. Oh, well the comics are great too, yeah. Uh, but one of the things that happens in there is there's a bad guy who's a bad guy for a long time, but then he discovers that what he did was wrong and then has to become good. And I heard that with the story of the dragon who was under Maglor's influence but then helps Kirby. Dave, back me up on this. This is a really fun storytelling trope is when a bad guy has to become good because he discovered the error of his ways. Love it. And then it's especially great when he's not very good at being good. But Yeah, and Avatar really plays that up. And because it doesn't happen overnight, like his the transition from being a villain to being a hero doesn't happen like in one episode. It's it's over the course of quite a few episodes. So there's a lot of nuance uh, and also a lot of humor to it. Yeah. And one of the, the funniest moments of the series is when the character is laying on the ground, beating the ground with his fist, saying, why am I so bad at this? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that sounds like an amazing game. So um, how many are, hours? Have you did... ever played a Kirby game, Jersey? Do you know? No, I'm not. I, I'm familiar <gasps> with the character. You've never played a Kirby game? Oh my gosh! I would like Kirby a lot. I mean, one of the things that appeals to me about Kirby is one, he's like the easiest character to draw. He's basically just a giant pink circle, who has like rosy cheeks and like dots for eyes. And the best thing about him is, is that he's this cute little, like he's like a little, like almost like a bubble gum bubble, like a little just he's just a little puff. But he's so tough. Like, he's this little, tiny, the cutest thing you could possibly imagine. But he's, like, really rough and tough, and he's able to, like, take on all these amazing challenges and beat up all these guys. And what he does is he has a giant mouth that just expands. Like, it just, like, he just goes, and he just can, like, suck in anything. And if there's a villain in front of him, he can suck that villain into his mouth and then spit him back out, and he steals his powers. So okay, sort of good. like Rogue from the X-Men. He incorporates any powers that he uh, takes from, like, villains around him. That's pretty cool. Only certain enemies. Yeah, not every character, but... And you have to... And if you're Kirby and you swallow an enemy with a power, you get the power. Like, if there's a little creature with leaves on his head shooting seeds at you, suck him up, and you become the leaf Kirby. And he'll steal, like, the... Like, um, some of their clothing, like if a character has like a signature item, like a special hat or something, like then Kirby will have their, will like take their hat too. Like <laughs> Sir Kibble, the cutter ability villain. Well, you, you had me at the, at the point when you said he spits them back out because when you said he sucks them into his mouth, I was like, he eats them. Oh, that's terrible. But, oh, he spits them out and just takes their power. That's awesome. Yeah. It's all very cute. Um, it's like one of the when most like his- friendly looking when- games ever. If Kirby takes the enemy's power, Kirby has to swallow the enemy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe that's true. But it's all very done in a cute way. This is, like, definitely the least violent-looking video game ever. Very um, true. And one of my favorite... There's, a, there's one for Game Boy Advance called Kirby and the Amazing Mirror. And in that game, he has a cell phone, which just feels very, like... Like, hey, let's give Kirby a cell phone. But it's super cute because, like, he'll call his friends, and his friends are, like three other Kirby's that are different colors and they'll just come flying in and like help him out. Like, so like you can call in your friends to help you out whenever you're in like a tough scrape. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> also in Kirby mass attack, Kirby gets split into 10 Kirby's somehow, 10 little Kirby's running around everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you have to try to get all the 10 Kirby's back and they follow the little star you control around and you can 
like get 10 Kirby's to leap on one enemy and it looks like this giant ball of Kirby. Are yeah, there Kirby Jersey, comics? You were talking about, uh, well, crossover to Saturday Supercast that you just did with Reyna about the Care yeah. Bears movie. Um, yep. There's a lot of similar iconography. Like Kirby spends a lot of time hanging out in like cloud worlds um, and forests that look like they, like the game looks like like children's drawings come to life. Like everything is, uh, you know, sort of like in the original Super Mario Brothers world too, or Super Mario Brothers too. Um, everything's like very dreamlike and, and uh, crayon. It's like it doesn't look like it's drawn in crayon like the Yoshi games are, but it still has that similar kind of vibe. Sold. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to break out my DS again, uh, but uh, I, and you know, Dave, I'm a sucker for cute little things that are really brave. Yeah, that's exactly what this character is. Like bee barrels. <laughs> like bee barrels, yes. <laughs> bee barrels. He's hyperfang. Well, Natalia, you remember the first Pokemon movie, right? With um, with Mew Mewtwo, and you remember the scene. Not to spoil anything, but something really bad happens to Ash at the end of the movie. Yeah. And then Pikachu is heroically trying to save Ash, and he can't do it. And he keeps on saying, Pikachu, and he's shooting all this electricity out. Man, that I fall to pieces every time I watch that scene. And yeah, there's little comics about it that says, all right, the scene's coming up. I will not cry. Will- <laughs> 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 exactly. Like, Pikachu's another one where he's like, he's super cute and super brave. And yeah, that's why I love him. Well, if you uh, like Pikachu and Kirby, let me jump to my one of yes, my comic please. recommendations that I won't go into much depth. But there's a great um, graphic novel or manga called Kawa by Akira Toriyama, who's best known for um, Dragon Ball Z, the Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z series. But this is a standalone book. It's, it's they only did one volume of it, um, but it's another example of like a really adorable character. Um, his name is Paifu, and he is a half vampire, half were koala. Were koala? Were koala. Wow. And his best friend is a ghost whose name is Jose. <laughs> and they live in a town that's basically, it's sort of like Halloween town uh, in the Nightmare Before Christmas movie. It's basically like giant pumpkins. And everything's got like bats on it and stuff. It's, but it's like this really cute Halloween world where they live with like all these different mummy, like mummies and werewolves um, and sort of flying ghosts and like uh, things that look like out of video games for sure. Um, and basically, there's a monster flu that is going through the town. So all the monsters are getting really sick. Um, so these two kids. Uh, these two kids, Paifu and uh, Jose the Ghost, basically go on a road trip to uh, leave town to go to like another town to get some medicine to save uh, their parents. Um, and they end up teaming up with a retired sumo wrestler uh, who basically uh, is like this really rough and tough guy who helps them out. And there, there is monster fighting and like wrestling. And uh, it's got the things that you would sort of expect from... Akira Toriyama, but done in like the cutest way possible. Natalia, I just sent you a, a link to an image that Dave posted on his website about Kawa, so you could see what this looks like. Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's still in print. You might have to like check your library for it, or order it off a of, like Amazon Marketplace or something. 
So yeah, so, so Kawa, C O W A. C O W A. And the O in the logo is a little eyeball. Okay. So, Jersey, did you have what? a recommendation? A uh, book recommendation? I think we're jumping around at this point. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. Um, so I had a devil of a time thinking of comics that made me think of video games. Um, but borrowing from some of the points that Natalia was bringing up about rich characters, vibrant characters, having amazing quests. Uh, and we may have talked about this book on the show before, but I think it's worth underlining is G-Man by Chris Jerusso. Um, is one of those stories with, again, like really cute characters, really brave characters, but a really rich cast of characters that all have very different motivations and work in different capacities as teams. And there's three volumes out, um, so lots to catch up on. But uh, I, I do recommend that people, I think you can read them as standalones, but I think they build on each other enough that it would be a good idea to start at volume one. Um, yeah, I think so. I get, you get to know the antagonistic relationship of G-Man and his brother all the better. Yeah, that's true. Um, but it's a superhero story, but I think it is one of the purest superhero stories. It takes everything that makes superhero stories so great and distills it down into this really approachable uh, graphic novel series that you don't have to have like a, a PhD in X-Men in order to read. Um, do, do, what do you understand about superheroes? Well, they have powers, they fight, and usually fight for good, and usually there's some kind of struggles and complications in those fights. That's all you need to know to walk into G-Man. And you should like to laugh, I think. That's true. It's really funny. And the character designs, again, going back to character designs, are amazing. Like when the, uh, some of the adult characters show up later on, guys like Cool Raps and uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Captain Thunder... Oh my gosh, I'm I'm blanking on his name. Yeah, I got the book. I got the book right behind me. But the Thunder Friends is the name of the team. But uh, yeah, it's really really funny. So that's another one. Uh, I would also uh, a web comic recommendation is uh, Nemu Nemu. Going back to talking about uh, uh, Yatsuba, Nemu Nemu has a very similar sense of humor. Natalia, you've read Nemu Nemu. Well, also, Nemo Nemo is not just a webcomic. That's true. That's right. It's, there's books. That's right. There's, it, there's several volumes. But it starts online, right? Like the, it's always, the, the comics always debut on the internet first before they become books, I think. I assume. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah, the latest ones are always on the website, nemu-nemu.com. Uh, but there are like over five volumes out now, and it's a wildly funny comic about it. Like like Yatsuba, it's about two two characters who misunderstand the world and get into all sorts of trouble because of their 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 perception of the world, right? And they've got there's two older characters, two young girls who are always trying to get them out of trouble, right? Back me up on this, Natalia. Did right. I describe it right? Yes. <laughs> Except you forgot to mention that. The two main characters are stuffed pups that come to life. Stuffed animal pups. They mysteriously come to life and do all sorts of hysterical things, like uh, try to get out of going into the washing machine, which they call the bacha machine, to get clean. And, and, like the, the, and then Anpan goes through this crazy mystical journey where he meets the bacha duck, who is explaining to him why it's important to go into the bacha machine. Really Nemu, funny. On the other hand, loves the botch machine. 
Well, that, th- there we go back to that thing about character and contrast is that Nemu is super cheerful, has this bright-eyed kind of innocent look at the world. Anpan is a little bit cynical, uh, a little bit suspicious of everything going on around him. Uh, and you could see it in the design of their faces, right? Like Nemu has like really big eyes. Anpan's eyes are a little bit smaller and he's got those eyebrows, right? Yeah. I didn't even know stuffed animal pups had eyebrows. <laughs> they can. <laughs> Also, I don't know if this really makes a difference with their personalities, but Anpan likes pizza. Really likes pizza. Yes, he does. And that's even like an exclamation that he makes. Is like when he's really excited, he'll say, oh, my pizza. Yeah. So, Natalia, did you have another recommendation for a comic that would, uh, either one of your favorites or one that's like a video game? Well, I did put Astronaut Academy. <gasps> I was wondering if you were going to say that. Yes, I love that book. All right, well then, we'll let Dave stand aside and just beam with pride while we talk <laughs> about this book. Uh, why Why do you love that book? What's so compelling about it? Especially the character designs. That That's one of the main reasons why I like it. They're so cute, but yet they still bring bring out a lot of like their personality and character. Like, who, what are two characters that have a lot of contrast between them in their designs? Curse your phone. <laughs> um, okay. One of them is Scab. Um, she, she's like a, a bodyguard, I guess. That, that's how it seems. She's very, she looks like she's kind of mean, arrogant. And she is. She looks like she's ready for a fight. Another one is, um, for some reason I can never pronounce his name right. Akata, I believe? Uh, yeah, pretty close. Hakata. Hakata, okay. Um, he's very quiet and calm and collected, but he always comes through at the right times. And he just... He kind of looks like the kind of guy that would do that. It's mm. He's got a cool jacket, right? Yes, and a cool hairstyle. That's true. And his hairstyle is like, if, when you look at Cybert, Cybert has a similar hairstyle, but it's different just enough where it looks a little off and weird, right? Yeah, because that that hair is made of metal. Right, yeah. So like, he uses like a, like a, jagged, a more jaggedy line to draw his hair. Um, I'll tell you too. My favorite characters, especially in the new book, were the safety bears. Well, again, because you like the Care Bears, <laughs> <laughs> but they're bears with flamethrowers on their hands. <laughs> How cool is that? I want to read the next Astronaut Academy book. I've only gotten to read Zero Gravity. Oh, oh, oh! You got to read Reentry. Okay, well, I'll, I can loan you my copy, Natalia. Or yeah. you could, or you could go buy it. Or I'll send you one as thanks for being on our show. <laughs> but the story in Astronaut Academy is really funny that this retired hero goes to space to learn about all sorts of funny things, like wearing cute hats. <laughs> yeah. And the way that um, Dave writes it with the little, like, sometimes it will point on the side... Like, 
super funnier, cuter, <laughs> really this cute things that make the story really fun to read again and again and again. No matter how many times I read it, it's so awesome. So is it a school you would, is it a school that you would like to go to? Maybe. You get to ride around on dinosaurs for crying out loud. Yeah, but so is the dinosaur races inside or outside? <laughs> I think it's on the moon. In the book, they're inside. They are inside. They're on a moon roof, so oh. it's, it's basically like um, the top of a the top of the school uh, has like a skylight, I guess, or like what we would call like it's basically like a dome at the top, so that you can see the space, the outer space. Um, but they've recreated the surface of the moon indoors, so they're totally inside, and they've got uh, a little bit of gravity out there, but. It's Good. it's not a hundred percent like it's like an artificial recreation of the moon. Yeah, I'd also be a bit nervous if I went there. Suddenly, the oxygen, <laughs> whatever, make the oxygen kind of exploded or something. That'd be awful. Well, but but then then you just dress like Doug Hero, right? Doug Hero's got that taken care of. Because he can. True, but what if we're not in our spacesuit? Well, that's true. But From speaking that- speaking of Doug Hero, another thing I love about that book is how. You know, you said you said the, the designs are really cool and they're very simple. Yet, you can tell what each character's feelings are all the time, right? Even character like Doug Hero, whose face is really just eyes, but you can tell how he feels all the time, right? You remember that story, Natalia, where he's talking to that teacher, and then he's out in the hallway afterwards, and then he says really quietly, "I love you." Mm-hmm. And like how like the pose that he used there, so you could tell that Doug Hero was like like just brimming over with affection, but was too shy to say it. And yet we didn't even have a full face to look at, right? Yeah. Really cool. And is, 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 the, is the story like any video games you know? I mean, are there any similarities to the things we've been talking about with video games and, and this comic? Well, I haven't played many video games like this, but there was another comic book oh. that I had read that was similar to this. It was a girl that got chosen to go to a... Um, a school in space, like this, but it wasn't quite as funny as this one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's, what's the book where the girl gets chosen to go to, into space? It's called Ladder Top. Ladder Top? I haven't heard of this yeah, one. I haven't heard of that. I think it's pretty new. Is it a manga? Is it, or is it American? It's a manga... A manga made by an American. Oh, okay. I think so, at least, because it's a normal. Um, I keep forgetting. So what? What's it about? There's a girl who has a friend that has wanted to go to space for many, many years, all all of the years of her life, at least. And they both get chosen to go into the final round of. The scan, which, the scan tells which um, kids can are allowed to go to the school. And the friend that really, really wants to go does not make it. But the main character um, makes it, even though she didn't really want to, because she has these weird symbols on her arm that she got from a mysterious gem that turns into this bug that has, like, needles for legs. 
So now she has these weird symbols and is going to space. And she doesn't really know what to do because the person that owned the crystal, apparently because it was lying on the floor in the girl's bathroom, is her roommate. And she's wondering if Nine, which is the person's nickname, um, is trying to harm her in some way because of those symbols that she got. That sounds cool. You know what? I had heard of this book, and I feel like a fool now for not recognizing the name. This is uh, a graphic novel by Orson Scott Card and drawn by uh, an amazing artist, Hanuel Ibardolaza. I've never pronounced that person's name out loud before. But Hanuel is on Twitter and uh, been a big fan of... Now, I think Hanuel's a guy, yeah? <laughs> now I'm not sure. I just realized I've been talking with somebody for years online, and I, didn't, I don't even know what their gender is. But i big fan of Hanuel's work. Uh, and so, yeah. The, the art is super pretty, isn't it, Natalia? Yeah. I'll have to check that out. We'll link to it in the show notes. We will link to it in the show notes for sure. Um, okay. So you are, are you ready for my big list? <laughs> yes. Let's go into your list as we close out this. So I was trying to think of some comics that specifically reminded me of video games. Um, so I'll just talk about a few of them. I won't go into too much depth because um, some of them we've mentioned on the show before. The Amulet series by Kazu Kibuishi or Kazu Kibuishi. Um, mainly because you've got these two... Uh, kid characters who are traveling to different cities via airships. Definitely something that evokes uh, the Final Fantasy games that Jersey mentioned. Um, and you've got houses that transform into robots. And like, it's a lot of like characters navigating dangerous landscapes. And I think that if you were going to really summarize classic video games, that's that's what ninety percent of them were. <laughs> were you know characters that sort of you become like they're your avatar. Um, and they're exploring dangerous landscapes. Um, and Kazoo really takes a time to make you feel like you're really in the character's shoes, exploring these different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, on a similar a note, but a completely different sort of genre, Missile Mouse by Jake Parker. Oh, good um, one. It sort of evokes to me uh, the game Star Fox uh, from Nintendo 64. Um, because you've got like animal characters who fly these like really cool jet planes in outer space, um, but then he also like you know it's not just about flying around. He's also like going around. And he's collecting crystals, um, and there's a lot of like time spent like running around these different corridors, fighting monsters and like creepy bugs and creatures and stuff. Um, so it just it it has the the visceral feeling that you get playing a really cool action game. And another book that just came out that has a little bit of that, too, is Battling Boy from Paul Pope, um, which is about this, like, kid who's basically, like, the son of a god who comes down to Earth basically to be Earth's new hero, which basically means that he fights these giant monsters who are always attacking the city. Um, And much like a video game, he can sort of take on different powers in the way that, like, Mega Man uh, can upgrade to different uh, weapons. Um... And by collecting these different things and then, like, he'll fire completely different stuff, uh, Battling Boy collects these different T-shirts. And depending on which T-shirt he puts on, uh, each T-shirt has a different insignia of, like, a different animal, including, like, a dinosaur. Um, So when he puts on the dinosaur T-shirt, he has, like, the powers of a dinosaur. And if he puts on a tiger shirt, he has, like, the moves of a tiger. 
uh, and things like that. It's a lot of fun. It just came out. Um, and then another one, which is a little bit on the edge of like for teens because it's about zombies, is Daybreak by Brian Ralph. And I think almost everything that Brian Ralph has done has a video game feel. But this one specifically is about like surviving in a like zombie apocalypse. But the whole comic, um, you are like a friend who's with the main character. And the main character is constantly like looking back towards you and like talking to you. And you're like in the story with him. So you're oh, like wow. his new friend and he's like trying to help you survive uh, this zombie apocalypse and you're like interacting with him. So like, it's like a really interactive experience, uh, where the whole entire book is drawn, uh, from a first person perspective where you're seeing, uh, the whole thing is like through your eyes, which is, re- I don't think I've ever seen somebody draw an entire comic like that. Um, and it's really, really cool. We mentioned meanwhile by Jason Shiga. It's got choose your adventure qualities to it. Uh, pick a path. Um, and then another one is uh, Spira by Josh Tierney and uh, Kyla Vanderklug and a bunch of other artists. Have you seen this at all, Jersey? Uh, the name this sounds familiar. Spira. It's basically an anthology about this like fantasy world that involves the main character is like a princess who's like a sword fighting princess um, who feels really like a video game character. But it's all these different artists doing their take <laughs> on the character. And it's really, really beautiful. Um, uh, really lush fantasy world. Um, it's S P E R A, right? Yeah, and it's published yeah, I'm on by the site Archaea, now. so everything that Archaea puts out is like hardcover, uh, beautifully printed books with amazing colors and paper stock and the whole thing. Um, so yeah, Spira by Josh Tierney, um, and then Bad Island by Doug Tenapel. Um, Doug actually has experience creating video games. He uh, was the creator of the game Earthworm Jim in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and he did some, he did like a clay video game uh, called Neverhood, which has a cult following. You can find that on YouTube. It's really sweet. Um, but Bad Island is basically about a family who gets washed ashore on like a island that actually happens to be a giant alien. Um, so they're basically like having this adventure on the back of a giant alien that has like all these little creatures like living within it. Um, and they basically have the, the family has to basically like team up, overcome like their family drama to stop this like alien invasion. And there's just like all these really cool creatures and stuff. And it, the whole thing feels like a really awesome video game. Hmm. Um, and then two, two final ones, uh, saga of Rex by Michelle Gagne about a little like alien Fox creature. Who's basically going from world to world and talk about like leveling up like the, from the start, the book, from the start of the book, he's basically like a little fox that looks just like we would imagine a fox looking. Um, but through his adventures explore, exploring these alien worlds, he basically transforms into all these other creatures um, and evolves into like this like crazy sentient alien thing. Um, and the whole book is silent, so there's no dialogue. It's just following uh, the visual adventures of this fox, and it's really gorgeous. And then finally, a book that has not come out yet, Glorkian Warrior by James Kachalka. Um, it's actually called Glorkian Warrior Delivers a Pizza, and it's actually based on a video game that James Kachalka designed uh, in collaboration with a company called Pixel Jam, uh, which is just like, it's a very like sort of side-scroller shooter game, um, and now they're making a graphic novel from first second about the character. 
So ah. yeah, those are my recommendations for comics that feel like video games. <laughs> you guys have any final <laughs> recommendations or anything you want to add to the before we close out? Natalia, we'll give you the final word. Um, we'll we'll. Uh, you were interviewed on the Huffington Post a while back. And one of the things they asked you what you'd like to do when you grow up. First of all, you're never going to grow up, right? Yeah, I'm never going to grow up. Good. I'm, hold, I'm, I'm holding you to that. Uh, but you said that you would like to be a, uh, an author or you'd like to make video games. Do you think that those two careers are, are exclusive? Do you have to be one or the other? No. <laughs> I don't think I have to be one or the other. I want to be both. I think I think that the the skills you would need for both or for either are very similar, don't you think? I mean, you have yeah. to create characters, create worlds. Like a video game without characters is pretty boring, right? Definitely. Although some puzzle games are quite fun. Mm, I'm not much of a puzzle game person. Ah. <laughs> Well, in both, like, I think most like cartoonists now have to think a little bit about user experience, right? And how yeah. people are going to read their stories, and when they're thinking about the panels and the flow of the story, like how are the how is the reader going to go through that story? That's that's pretty similar to designing a video game and thinking about you know how people are going to interact with the worlds that you're building. Yeah, um, I agree. And we should also link to that comic jersey that. Uh, did you discover it? I can't remember who first linked to it. Where it's like a, it's an endless scroll. Um, yeah. It's like an infinite canvas thing about like a guy who's like traveling through the center of the earth. Uh, and that that definitely also has like a real video game feel to it. Yeah, it was by a French cartoonist, and yeah, we will link to it in the show notes. But yeah, you scroll and scroll and scroll forever as this character is just falling through the center of the earth and coming out the other side, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so compelling. It is so interesting and fun to read. Great. Okay, well, hey, Natalia. Yeah? Thanks for hanging out with us. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for inviting me to do the podcast. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> and, thank you your da- and thank your dad, too. <laughs> you can. Dad, be quiet. Thanks, Jim. And, and uh, Natalia, are the pancakes wearing off? Mm, I'm just containing them. <laughs> All she right. She needs to absorb somebody else's power. She needs to eat them like Kirby, and then she'll, she'll have the energy of someone else. Eat them like Kirby and Bee Barrel mixed. Oh, yes. <laughs> that thing would take over the world in seconds. This episode featured music by 13 Senses, Junichi Masuda, and Harry and the Potters. Thanks to Tyler for the book talk. We love hearing book talks from people of all ages. If you want to record one, you can send it to us at kidscomicsrevolution at gmail.com. Be a part of the revolution. It's fun. But it's okay because superheroes, woobity woobity woo!